Good morning, everyone. It's great to speak today. Obviously, the Cottinghams are not vegetarians, are they, by the slab of meat that they were about to eat. Um, someone reminded me this morning that um, I actually preached before the last lockdown, the last Sunday of lockdown. So I'm very sorry it's happened again, but I'm sure it's not my fault at all. Um, I've had a sabbatical during the summer, and uh, it wasn't quite what I was expecting, uh, but I enjoyed some reading about uh, a revival that I've been interested in for some years. It was a healing revival, but the thing that I found um, out about it uh, on this reading were there literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people came to Christ during that that period uh, of revival. So I really enjoyed reading about that and no doubt some of the stories will uh, come out uh, in the future. This morning we are continuing, as Rob told us, our series on the uniqueness of Jesus and we're looking at the subject of us in being enabled to approach God as our Father. So if you can turn to Matthew and chapter 3, uh, we're going to look at some verses there. Firstly, this morning we're going to look at how Jesus has enabled us to approach God as Father, and secondly, why? And we're going to do this from uh, the story of Jesus' baptism. So Matthew chapter 3, first book in the New Testament, and verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So how does Jesus enable us to approach God as Father? We've got an image that will come up here that uh, a child has drawn. It might have been done by a child, but it's not a childish image. We have a problem. There's a gap between us and a holy God. This huge canyon-like void is there because of our sin and our wrongdoing. It separates us from God, our Father. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth and through his death and his resurrection has bridged that gap between us and Father God. The gulf between us and God is bridged by the cross of Jesus. This enables us to enter into an everlasting and eternal relationship with God. In accepting Christ, in giving ourselves to him and trusting him, our relationship with God begins. But the change in our lives is far more than forgiveness of sin and a ticket to heaven. It's far more than a clean slate and freedom from guilt and shame, which is fantastic. We actually can now approach God as our father. Because of what Jesus has achieved, he connects us with God as our father. In the Old Testament, the Jewish high priest represented the people before God. The priests made sacrifices and offerings regularly for the people's sins. Christ gave his life as a one-time sacrifice for our sin and has become our 
high priest. But why is this relationship so important? Isn't just to know Jesus enough? In John's gospel alone, the Father is mentioned over 100 times. Jesus was always talking about the Father, our Father. He was constantly about the Father's work. Jesus often spent hours with the Father. Jesus taught much about God the Father and points us to the Father. You see, Jesus has brought us into this amazing relationship, not only with himself, but with Father God, the God of the universe, the God who always was and always will be, the one who is eternally existent. Knowing God as our Father is not just a doctrine. It is a revelation. It's not just head knowledge. That knowledge needs to go from our head deep into our hearts and into the core of our being. And in my experience, revelation of the Father's heart comes to us as we pursue God. So let's look at the Father's heart through Jesus' baptism. The baptism of Jesus is an event that I would have loved to have witnessed. I'd love to have been there on the the banks of the River Jordan. We baptise people in this church and it's a significant event. John's baptism, Jesus' baptism, was similar yet different. John the Baptist preached a baptism of repentance. John was a prophet and it appears that he only had two sermons from the reading that we had this morning. One message was of repentance, turning away from sin, and the other message was about the kingdom of heaven, that it was coming. His wardrobe was equally sparse. He seemed to have only had two items in it. He also had an equally frugal diet, if you read the uh, verses beforehand. But picture the scene. John, after consenting to baptise Jesus, has no idea what is about to happen. I imagine he would have been really shocked John and Jesus stood together in the muddy river Jordan. John would have done this hundreds of times before. And as Jesus came up out of the water, immediately there was an open heaven. This isn't just a parting of the clouds. This is an open heaven. And in Mark's gospel, he actually describes it as heaven was torn open. And Father God and God the Holy Spirit are manifest. They are both seen and heard by the watching crowd. John the Baptist sees with his own eyes the Holy Spirit falling upon Jesus as gentle as a dove. The Holy Spirit is physically seen resting upon Jesus and then there's an audible voice from God the Father who says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. At this moment, we see the Father heart of God revealed like never before. It's revealed not only towards Jesus, but to all of us. This event is an incredibly important moment in history. It's a unique moment in the life of Christ. And these words are spoken audibly from heaven over Jesus, reveals the Father's heart for Jesus and for you, because you are in Christ. So this is why we are able to approach God as Father. But let's consider these words from God the Father that he spoke on that day. Father said, this is my beloved son. 
you belong. My son, these two, this two-letter word, the father declared, he says, you are mine. You belong to me. You don't belong to anyone else. You are chosen and you belong to me alone. He said this to Jesus and he says it to you. I visited some of my nieces, great nieces, um, uh, a few uh, last weekend. And uh, they are two and four and they were playing with some balloons. And of course, they'd chosen which color balloon. They were very quickly, mine, mine, my balloon came out in the conversation and the, the banter. I think children learn yes and no and mine very quickly, don't they? But God says, you are mine. He's jealous for you. You belong to me, he says, to no one else. You were chosen by Father God from the foundation of the world. He created you and wants you to know his heart for you. In Christ, we belong to God in the same way as Jesus belongs to God. That's amazing, isn't it? We are inseparable. Jesus said, no one can snatch you out of my hands, John 10, 28. We are one in spirit with God. Therefore, we can approach God as Father because we belong and we are chosen. And he says, you are mine. In the story of Mephibosheth, which was superbly acted by the Cottingham family, he came to realise that he belonged to the king's family. In John 14, 23, it says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. In Christ, we are inseparable from God. Hallelujah. This is the uniqueness of what Jesus has done for us. And Father says, you are mine. The next thing that Father said was, this is my beloved son. So secondly, you are loved. You know, the word love is very devalued in our speech. We becomes, it's become such a common word, hasn't it? It's overused. It rolls off our tongues so easily. I love this song. I love your dress. I love my phone. I love this new recipe. All about trivial things, and yet we use the word love. Father's love is not trivial. Father, God's love for you is immense. It's deep. It's unfathomable. It's constant. It's unique. It's changeless. It's like no other love you will experience. God loves the world, all of creation, everything he made, and that includes you. Yes, Father, God loves us with a pure, uncontrolling, holy, unchangeable love. I want us just to think about the unchangeable nature of God at this point. Let me ask you a question. How do you view God, Father God, in the Old Testament? What picture do you have of him there? The Old Testament has a lot of blood and gore written on its pages, doesn't it? Many wars and battles are written about. There are floods, earthquakes, disease, pestilence, murder, rape, genocide, disasters of every kind. The perfection of the Garden of Eden 
was certainly lost. How do we see Father God and a God of love in the pages of the Old Testament? It seems like the God of the Old Testament and New Testament are somehow different. Is that what you believe? Did Father God somehow change over the centuries? The truth is that Father God is no different in the Old Testament from the New. The underlying question is, God, does God change? And the answer is an absolute no, an equivocal no. God does not change and never will change. He is changeless. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have always existed. They were not created. They did not evolve. They have always lived in a community of love with one another. They are one God, three persons. The Trinity is inseparable. To say that God changes or is different from one age or season to another is not consistent with God being God. It's not consistent with who he is. For God to change would suggest that improvement was needed or some imperfection needed correction. That cannot be possible because God is perfect. James 1 verse 16 says, Don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. The NIV translates that, who does not change like shifting sands. There are no seasons, there are no changes, there are no variations with God. Unlike us, we change, don't we? Even during the day, we can change. Throughout life, we change. If you're in a tough season now, it will change. But Father God and Father's love for you will never, ever change. This week, I challenge you to search out some scriptures in the Old Testament and just dig a little deeper and see the Father's love there for you. His heart of love is clearly in the Psalms and, and other wisdom literature, but his heart of love is there for us. Even in the law that God gave, there's obviously a number of reasons why the law was given to Moses, but behind the law is God's love because he says this is the best way to live. The Ten Commandments are the best way to live. Don't have any other gods. Don't have any idols. Focus on me. Take rest days. Take Sabbaths. Don't murder. Don't steal. Be sexually pure. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't be jealous. They're all things to help us. Behind that is the love of the Father. This is the best way to live. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never, ever comes to an end. Lamentations 3, verse 22. No, his attributes never change. They cannot change. His love never changes. And you know, his love doesn't depend upon our behavior. Human love can be fickle. We can fall in and out of love. If someone disappoints us, we can withhold love. If you have children, you've probably withheld feelings of love <laughs> when they've disappointed you. Father God never loves us like that because God is love. Even when we mess up, when we fail, when we say or do the wrong things, he still loves us to the core. You will never ever become unlovable. The story of the prodigal son shows us this so clearly. 
There is nothing that you have done in the past or can do in the future to stop God loving you. No act too shameful that will make him cease loving you. You're never too dirty to be loved. Now, Father God may not approve of what you do and things that we do have natural consequences so often. And that is why repentance and turning away from those things that displease God is essential. But his nature is love. A father's unchangeable nature is love and it's shown towards you. You are loved. Do you believe that? Do you know that in your heart? Glenn Scrivener, who works for a local um, charity, he's a great writer. Um, I found this um, illustration he gave of, that was comparing father's love and uh, our earthly father's love. He said, maybe your earthly father has short arms and deep pockets. That's an interesting, short arms and deep pockets. What he means is maybe he didn't hug you, but he, he gave you things. Or maybe your father had long arms and shallow pockets. You know, he, he hugged you, but he was a bit stingy. Or crossed arms and no pockets. Father God is so different. He is super wealthy, overflowing with loving kindness and outrageously generous. Is that how you see God? Because that's how he is. You know, Father God loved us even before we were just a few cells in our mother's tummies. And he'll love us till we draw our last breath and into eternity. Jesus enables us to approach Father God and experience his generous, deep love in our beings. Jesus has opened up the way. We are recipients of the Father's love. Thirdly, you are his child. For God said, this is my beloved son. This uh, teaching is familiar to us in this church. The uniqueness of Jesus has done this for us. It means that we are adopted into the family of God. Romans 8.15 says, You have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Such an amazing truth. We get to inherit big time as God's children. Mephibosheth was an orphan. Jonathan, his father, had been killed and he was now living a very miserable life. He was crippled, hiding away. He was a recluse. Yet David brought him into his own home. He adopted him and he sat him at the royal table to eat. David restored land and his livelihood to him again. And that's a mirror picture of what Jesus has done for us. We were all orphans, spiritually separated from God. We were disabled in some way. And we all needed a father. We are chosen and adopted into God's family. Jesus has done this for us. Hallelujah. Jesus has opened up the way that we can have an intimate relationship as we approach Father God boldly. Your status is now son or daughter. Fourthly, 
And lastly, we are affirmed. Father God said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Not just pleased, but well pleased. Jesus receives the father's verbal affirmation as he is baptized in front of his witnesses. Jesus in his humanity was given father's affirmation. The father is his source of affirmation. You know, we certainly need encouragement, don't we? In affirmation, I need it. We need it more when we're living slightly separate lives from one another. It's important as brothers and sisters, we affirm one another. But you know, our primary source of affirmation needs to come from our Father in heaven. Our natural fathers help shape our identity. That's part of the role of fatherhood. And they do it through affirmation. Fathers have that responsibility of speaking words of affirmation into the life of their children. Things like, son, you're handsome, you're helpful, you're growing strong, I know I can depend on you. My daughter, you're beautiful, you are clever, you're such an encouragement to us as a family. I love it the way you look after your brother. Positive affirmation is so, so important. Father God says, I am pleased with you. We need to hear that, brothers and sisters, because some, some of us have got an image of God with a, a, a stick about to beat us when we do anything wrong. God is pleased with us. He affirms us because we're in Christ. So Jesus has uniquely opened up the way for us to approach God as our father. Jesus enables us to know that we are chosen, that we belong, that we are intimately loved by our Father in heaven, and that we are his child, and to hear his well done deep in our hearts. Amen. Can I invite the worship team to, to come back? And uh, I want to pray uh, with you all and for you all this morning, <clears throat> but uh, before I do that, I want to just tell you a little story of what happened to me a few weeks ago. Um, I've got rather a lot of books and um, some of them I'm not using and I contacted this, this company that specializes in uh, buying secondhand pristine books um, and some of these I hadn't used. So I arranged a transaction to send a number of books back to this company and I think they, they obviously resell them. And uh, everything was confirmed um, over the internet and um, I was due to have these books collected by their courier on Monday morning. And on Monday morning, I received this text which said to me, your courier, Jesus, will pick up your parcel at such and such a time. Now that made me chuckle too. Yes, in fact, I laughed quite loudly at that. It made my day. Um, but, you know, God took that, and I felt very challenged by that. Uh, was the rubbish that I didn't need anymore? Was the secondhand stuff that I didn't need on my shelf anymore in my life? And I just spent some time with Father that morning and um, identified some stuff that I no longer needed to carry. You know, we so often carry stuff that we don't need anymore or we shouldn't be carrying. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, Jesus came and collected this this package and he didn't look like he was old enough to drive the white van that he was driving but that's another matter 
Um, but I want us this morning just to just have a moment of quiet and ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything that we are carrying that we need to give to Jesus, to put in a package and let Jesus take away? So let's, um, let's just have a moment of quiet and uh, just ask the Holy Spirit, listen to the Holy Spirit and just sense what he might be saying. If there's anything that you're carrying that you need not to carry at the moment. Mephibosheth's thing was rejection. He carried self-rejection. He said, you know, I'm a dead dog. <laughs> Do you think that about yourself? Do you think wrong things about yourself? Do you reject yourself in any way? Say, I'm too old or I'm too young or whatever. Is there some little self-rejection there that you're aware of? Or maybe it's abandonment. You feel abandoned. Mephibosheth certainly felt abandoned. Or maybe you've got a performance thing or an anxiety about the next few weeks or months. Anxiety about toilet rolls or pasta or tomatoes. We don't need to carry these things. Criticism, that can stop us receiving the Father's love. Pride can. Rebellion. Negative thoughts. Bitterness. Shame. Just let the Holy Spirit speak into your heart what you need to let Jesus take away because he's dealt with it on the cross for you and he wants just to take that burden from you. He wants to take that package from you this morning. In handing things over, sometimes we need to repent, turn from those things and Sometimes it's worrying thoughts. You know, Jesus very clearly said, have no anxiety, have no worry about tomorrow. So if we're having worry about tomorrow, then, you know, we, we need to repent from that. Or maybe it's someone you need to forgive. Something you need to put right. Those things stop us receiving our Father's love. So just do some business there. And if it's helpful, just imagine now Jesus taking that, that burden, that package, that stuff you no longer need to carry out of your hands. He's taking it away. Down the path, no longer to be seen. The cross has dealt with it. Hallelujah. And in its place, he wants to give you the fruits of the Spirit. You know, his gifts to us are love, peace, gentleness. Self-control, gentleness. All the rest of them, I've forgotten some of them. But he wants to give you those things. And he wants to give you the Father's love. So just now as we're together, you can just feel the Father's love in the room. Just let him love you. Let, just receive his love deep into your heart. Deeper than you've ever felt it before, known it before. Deep in the core of your being. You are loved. He affirms you. You belong to him. He says, you are mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you intimately. I love you deeply. I will never, ever leave you. And I speak words of affirmation over you. God is well pleased with you. Not just pleased. God is well pleased with you as his son and daughter. Just receive that love.
Alleluia. Alleluia. Thank you, Rob. We're going to sing about our good, good father.